This is episode 71 of The Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks for joining me. Most people don't put managing their money and being creative together, especially since one seems to be what you have to do, whereas the other seems to be what you get to do. But managing your money is a creative process, and whether you like it or not, it's an emotional process too. Luna Jaffe joins me today to share how she's incorporated her work as an artist into her work as a guide for people to improve their relationship with their money. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. If you're struggling to keep up with processing your email, SaneBox might be just the tool you need. It has saved me hours of time each month, and the amount of peace of mind I get from it is priceless. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all of the trivial stuff into a different folder, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. Aside from removing all of the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's this great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from the sender again. One and done. Just how we like it. Because email can be such a bear and keep you from finishing the stuff that matters, we worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit sanebox.com forward slash giant and they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top of the two-week free trial. You don't have to enter the credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. Again, that's s-a-n-e-b-o-x dot com forward slash giant. Hey Creative Giants, I'm delighted to introduce you to Luna Jaffe. Luna is a certified financial planner, therapist, and visual artist. She is the founder and CEO of Lunaria Financial, a boutique advisory firm providing holistic money management and financial planning in Portland, Oregon. Luna offers advisory and financial services through KMS Financial Services Incorporated. Luna is the author of the award-winning book, Wild Money, A Creative Journey to Financial Wisdom, and most recently has published the Wild Money Coloring Book. The heart of Luna's work is based in her pioneering process that integrates creativity into financial planning, drawing on her experience as a visual artist, entrepreneur, and psychotherapist. This approach to personal finance honors the unique learning and money management styles of creatives, and in doing so, builds financial confidence and wisdom. Luna, thanks so much for joining me today. You know, it's been... It's been a while since we, we've recorded something together. We have one recording, but it's been a while. It's been a long while. It's been a long, long while. And so um, I was thinking about this before, um, before we started. I was like, it's really weird to interview one of your really good friends because you know all the stuff, but other people don't know all the stuff. And so um, we're going to start and pull everybody in. So currently you're um, in the middle of, launch, or of starting Sacred Money Studios. Right. Um, and this, right. Is, this is the latest iteration of Luna. <laughs> In a past iteration of Luna, you were a psychotherapist, right? And then you, in another iteration, you became a financial planner. Um, and now this is just morphing into that. So from my view, you're sort of fusing different things together. But I don't know that I've ever really asked you, like, what was the jump from being a psychotherapist to being a financial planner? How did that work out? <laughs> There was a jump in between psychotherapist. First, there was artist and then psychotherapist. And then I worked in the corporate world 
doing organizational development, which probably prepared me for becoming a financial advisor, which was a beautiful marriage of entrepreneurial skill sets and um, still working for a company. Um, the leap was completely unexpected. I totally got recruited and never thought I would ever even pass the securities exam or even get an interview at the company. But I kind of dared myself just to see how crazy ass I could be. And, uh, and then I got the job and then I passed the tests and then it just kind of went from there that actually I did it well and enjoyed it. So I kind of shocked myself and I definitely shocked all my friends. They still, I think they still shake their head. We do. Um, well, because you come from this really hyper creative artist space and, and you know, there are different versions of artists and you and I have talked about this. Some are, um, more out there than others. Right. Um, and so it's not like you were the closet artist that became an OD, um, you know, an OD specialist and then a financial planner. You're like an out there artist. Right. And so how does that world marriage for you or how does it, how does it sit into one world for you? Actually, amazingly easily, because I look at the financial planning process as a creative process. And when I was guiding students through the creative process of painting or learning how to paint, which I did a lot of, um, I realized, you know, I'm just a guide and I can provide tools and I can provide inspiration and sometimes nudges and a few times kicks in the ass. But most of the time, I'm there to add confidence and a sense of. Uh, capacity that people never thought they had. And that's true with money. It's true with creativity. So many people have been battered their entire lives around their capacity to do either one of those things. And for some reason, I was, I had enough belief in myself, I guess, to try shit I didn't know how to do um, and learn it without having to go through the academic world to get that um, kind of approval so because I did the art world as completely self-taught, I think coming into financial advising was also like that. It was like, well, you just have to teach yourself how to do this and ask everybody to help you along the way. So the leap isn't that big. Um, and the fact that I was talking about creativity and coming at money from a way that was so creative that people were kind of like, wow, somebody finally speaks my language. And because nobody spoke my language around money, I never knew how to learn it. So then I finally had to, I had to learn at the same time that I was teaching it, which seems to be the story of my life. Um, and, and then that's what I'm doing now with a new business. I'm learning as I go. I don't, I certainly don't know anything about creating a, a cafe or, you know, a money coaching studio. It's all new, but I figure the other skills I have are going to serve me well. And the rest of it is just taking a leap and a lot of praying and sometimes swearing and asking myself what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> but I know what I was thinking. I mean, I, I mean, it, it came so clearly. It was such a clear vision. And when I get that clarity, it's like nothing's going to get in my way, even when it just seems flat out crazy. So um, you tend to have these visions, it seems, right? Um, yeah. So what were some, like, it doesn't seem like jumping from the um, OD to jumping from an um, organizational development person to financial planner had like a vision thing, more like a dare thing mm-hmm. with that one. So what were some other sort of like very clear visions that you had that just seemed super crazy? And um, what happened when you pursued them? 
Well, it was, um, I worked uh, as a financial advisor at Edward Jones for seven years and I knew uh, when I decided that there was a book in my life that I was going to write this book. And when I asked them like, well, what's that process like, uh, to get through compliance. And they basically said to me, well, just go ahead and write the book and we'll let you know whether or not you can publish it. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> like that, that is not going to happen. And it became just like super clear all of a sudden, like, Oh, I have to leave like now <laughs> and start a firm um, without knowing anything about what it is to start an independent financial advisory firm. It was uh, it was a huge leap of faith. And yet at the same time, like I looked across the street and I was like, that's the building. The same thing that happened with sacred money studios. It's like, I knew what the building was. I didn't know when it was going to come for lease. I just knew that that was the building and that I would be there and I could see it. Um, and the rest of it is, is uh, it's a process of trying to listen and trust myself even when I doubt myself. So tell me what it's like to be inside Luna because you take pretty, um, pretty hairpin turns on things. You'll be going one direction. You'll have a vision and go a completely different direction or it's, it doesn't, hmm, that's not accurate. It might look that way. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that it's, um, a completely different direction. It's a quantum sort of shift in the same direction, right? Correct. Um, and most of the time you're not planning on these things to happen. They're just kind of there. Um, so, um, the question is around how do you, um, on the one hand, maintain momentum. So you're sort of in your life in general, but also really listen to those moments where it's like, Hmm, I should be like, it's now time to do this quantum shift thing. You know, I think a lot of what, at least 2015, a lot of what that was about for me was, um, was listening, a lot of listening. And that meant that I had to take time to be quiet and meditate and get out on the land. And then when I do that, I get these crazy ass ideas that, but they're, but they're so crystalline, so clear that, um, it's almost like it's already formed. And, and I feel that like I have been sort of struggling with myself in the last six months since, you know, I knew, I knew that this idea was there for this, I, this, this studio that would serve all the people I can't serve as a financial planner. There's some, there's just a huge gap. And I saw that gap so clearly that so many people want help around budgeting and how to navigate the money in their business and how to handle the most in some ways simple, but most important financial decisions. And yet they can't afford a financial planner or advisor, or there needs to be an entry point. And so I think, you know, with so many people like, uh, Simon, what's his last name? Cynic. Cynic? Yep. Yeah. You know, he, you know, his idea is to start with the why. And to me, that's really what happened was it was like, Oh, there's this need. And I do have the skill set to make it happen. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of steps in between that <laughs> and reality. And the only thing that holds me uh, to the ground is the sense of uh, the importance of doing it regardless. It's like, I, I realized yesterday, I was like, you know, there's not, when you have a dream that's so big, it, it, it's certainly not about the money. Like there's nothing in this for me that feels like 
oh, I'm going to make money from it. Um, and, it, you know, it probably, I would hope it'll be successful. That's the plan. The plan for it to be profitable and to spread to multiple cities and to become this thing that really has a life of its own. But I don't feel like that's at all motivating me. What motivates me is every single day somebody calls me and asks for help and I don't have the capacity to help them. And, and yet I do because I'm starting this company that will be able to serve those people. So uh, the conflict in me has been this, um, <laughs> I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to be amazing. I can walk over into the space right now as it's being built out and I'm like, somehow we're making this happen. And then the other part of me that gets a little bit pragmatic about it says, where is the money coming from though? You know, like, where's the money coming from? The other part of me is like, it's coming. It's fine. It's going to happen. It's all good. <laughs> and, you know, I think that I've gotten enough um, skills that I really didn't have 20 years ago when I was running businesses. Where I had no idea how to think about budgets and projections of cash flow. And, and I, I just, I didn't talk that language. I just did my thing and I sold it and I did my thing and I sold it and I did my thing and I paid off debt and I had nothing left and I sold more. <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> so, um, I feel like I get to come at it from a different perspective finally, which is, which is lovely. And it still doesn't mean I, I certainly don't have all the answers. Um, there's a ton of things I feel like I'm walking into with no, it, it, with a blank slate in a sense, it's like, this is a new kind of business. It's a different type of format. I get to figure it out. And, you know, I really do wake up some days just wishing I could have my head examined and other days just in, in euphoric over what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you've come a long way from selling t-shirts at Grateful Dead concerts. <laughs> bootleg t-shirts at that, right? Hey, I wasn't going to go there. Right? Oh, right. It didn't implicate you. Uh, <laughs> um, what's, what's been the three lessons that you've had to learn all over again in the last six months starting Sacred Money Studios? Mm. Ask for help. Um, big one. I never asked for help when I started Lunaria. Uh, I don't think I even knew who's help to ask for because everybody I knew in the field was in my prior firm. And so I didn't, I didn't know where to go. And then when I would ask people or I thought I was asking for help, they didn't know my, my industry. So this time around, I've learned the value of asking for help and to enroll people's support. And I feel that a lot. So that's pretty powerful. Um, I never did numbers with Lunaria. I never, really sat down and said, well, what, what, what can this look like? How, what are the different revenue streams I'm going to have and how, how long will it take me to make what I was making at Edward Jones? And I think I was, I, I was in denial. I didn't want to see that. <laughs> I didn't want to see this. But now it's like, um, I have developed a comfort, which is completely shocking to me. Um, there's a comfort in budgeting and looking at really, really looking at the numbers and saying, okay, so where does this put me and what do I need to generate? And when I do that, I feel like I have more capacity to receive what I need. So that there's that. And, um, hmm, the third lesson, wow, it's funny. The thing that shows up again is, well, it's partnership. Actually, I'm doing this in partnership in collaboration with other people. So I don't have to do it alone this time. 
Um, there's Lunaria, I've been carrying it alone. And again, that kind of puts a lot, of, it's just a ton of pressure, but there's nobody to say it's hard today, you know, or, you know, oh my God, we did something. You know, it's always been just like, wow, Luna celebrates with herself. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so collaboration has been important at the same time that I realize we put a lot of energy into how we collaborate and into the agreements we have around that partnership. Um, I really understand clearly that a partnership is like a marriage. And so as I've been guiding a few of my clients, younger clients through their ideas of how to build partnerships and share equity in their companies, I've been like, you know, it's a marriage and things can go awry and you need to be very clear about how to language that before it goes awry, if it possibly does. So yeah, learning the hard way, there's a lot of things I've learned um, not to do. You know, like try somebody out before you commit thousands of dollars to their services, for example. Made that mistake multiple times, you know, and just handed over money before I even realized whether or not we could work together on designing a website or designing a book or um, working together. It's okay to give people little trials. I'm too generous. I've learned that I'm really, I can be too generous, too naive. <laughs> <laughs> Never. No, not me. <laughs> well, what I've noticed from your evolution over the last, well, the years I've known you is, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about you in going from Edward Jones to Lunaria because it was very much an individual effort, right? And it would be unfathomable to me for you to like, do some of the things that you're doing individually. And like, I don't really know that person that ended that sort of cowgirl Luna. Well, <laughs> you um, kind of know her. <laughs> I kind of know her. Um, <laughs> what on the personal side, what's really evolved for you over the last, or changed, I don't want to use evolved because that's normative. What's changed such that now in community and in collaboration is the default rather than solo is the default? You know, honestly, what's really changed is my partnership. I got divorced four years ago and I wasn't, I was aware that there was some place in me that was so locked up in that marriage, but until I stepped away from it and really stepped into partnership with someone who I felt so aligned with, um, it, it was, it was a transformative experience. It really allowed me being in partnership with Amy has allowed me to feel um, supported and celebrated for all of my biggest ideas uh, they don't threaten her. She's not insecure around me and my ideas. And so I get to, I get to really sink into what is it that I want in a different way. And part of what I've wanted is community. It shows up for me over and over and over again, how important community is and uh, family's important to me as well, but not all my family's here. And so it's making family that I want and making the community I want and uh, seeing the value of not only showing up for other people, but then allowing them to show up for me when I have a big crazy ass idea. That's fascinating. Um, as entrepreneurs and creative people, we tend to want to like compartmentalize our life in the sense of saying like, you know, our business is over here and our personal life is over here. And then our relationship with money is over here. And then, you know, this family of origin stuff is over there. Right. <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> All right, that's that too. Outside the door. <laughs> um, 
And yet it's not, it all touches each other. Right. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I do love about your approach to money is that it is very interconnected with like, there's, there's not the separation that we normally like to see, like, you know, here's this over here and here's this over there and never shall the twain meet. Right. Um, And never shall this whole creative emotional side of things like that doesn't touch money. Money is over here on the rational side. Right. And so leave all that emotional sort of creative stuff like, you know, check that out the door when it's time to do your budgeting. Right. Right. I mean, that's the normal way. But man, I'm telling you, the people that come in here and they're every client the other day, she came in and she'd drawn this picture and she looked at me and she said, she's 68. And she looked at me and she said, I don't want to tell you this stuff works. I really don't. But it does. And she's like, I never knew I felt that way about money. I just never knew it. And you're, you're making me see it. And I was like, I'm not really making you. She said, all right, you gave me the opportunity. (laughs) But it's that creative process that allows us to get beyond words and words are what limit us so much of the time. Yeah, I, you know, I know you feel it. There, there are a few things better than as, you know, when you're a, a coach or you're an advisor or you're like, you're working with as, as a transformative agent for people when they get mad and shake their fists, you're like, ah, you're like, I didn't want to do that, but it's totally the right thing to do. And I'm kind of mad at you for it. Right. Um, there's some joy in that. I don't know why there is. Cause I mean, you're not trying to convince them of some, some external agenda at that point. Right. You're just holding up the mirror and people do what they need to do. And the mirror is amazing. I mean, that's the thing is that when people draw what their relationship with money looks like and they come in and they look at it and they're like, I I, I didn't know I felt that way. It's so, um, I used to think that they would just be seeing sort of the negative side of their relationship with money, that it would show up kind of the, the uncovered or the, the shadow side of things. But really one of the things I found the most is that it shows the positive. It shows the strengths that were discounted by other people in their lives. And it's, it's in their picture. They start to see that, Oh, I, I do have this really strong tree. I do have this running river. I do have these, I'm in the picture. I'm actually facing money. There's all these things that show up and they're like, wow, how, I never knew that about myself. So we've probably gotten people curious about this whole visualizing their relationship with money process, right? Um, so if someone wanted to go on a quick reflective or journaling exercise about this, or they just wanted to get in touch with their relationship with money, like what are a few things that you would have them do? Yeah. So what I do is I, I suggest that you start with thinking about your relationship with money right now. And, and, and I say right now, because if you did this tomorrow or you did it the next day, it would be different. And so it's, there's nothing static. If you just got a huge check in the mail that you were waiting months for, you're going to feel different about your relationship with money than if you go to the mailbox again and that check is still not there and you still feel like something is wrong with you because it's not showing up. Um, so what I have people do is I have them think about their relationship with money as uh, a singular object. So if your relationship could be described as, you know, a balloon or a feather or a rock or a pair of handcuffs or a lead weight or whatever it is, um, we start there. And what's fun about doing that process is that when I talk to people in groups and teach workshops, I taught a, a, a group, a room full of 800 financial advisors and, and they all, it was amazing. They all, something showed up for them. Like, 
you don't want it to be there necessarily, but they're like, yeah, it's a paperclip. I'm like, I don't want it to be a paperclip. Yeah, well, guess what? <laughs> There's something about that that we can explore with the curiosity. We don't have to interpret it. We don't have to judge it. But when we have that initial sense of, oh, you know, it's, it's a tea bag. My relationship with money is a tea bag. Okay, what's the, what the hell is that about? And then I have them start drawing. I'm like, okay, we'll just put the tea bag on the piece of paper, draw it somehow, and start to fill in what else needs to be there. And you just ask yourself, what else needs to be here? It's like, oh, well, this needs to be there. Just trust that, draw that, let the next thing show up. And the next thing you know, you actually filled up the page and you're kind of shocked. Like, I drew an image about my relationship with money, but I didn't even know how I got there which is beautiful because that's the unconscious coming through and developing this picture. And then what I do to work with people is I ask them to notice what's going on in that picture without judgment. So it's you noticing the size of things, the color of things, the perspective, the um, whether you're facing or facing away, or is there a, an expression on, on the face of any figures that are there it starts to just um, calm us down to realize that we can look at something that we've created and not judge it. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not whatever. It's not even art, so to speak. It's really just an expression. And it allows us to start to listen to like, what, what do I think about money? How's that going on? And why, huh? Huh? There's a, like, I, this woman today, she said, um, she said, I'm floating on a magic carpet and I can see everything much better. But I noticed that if I'm on the carpet and I look down, all I can see is the carpet. <laughs> I was like, what a great, what a great image. So she's higher up so she can see further, but she can't see directly where she is, what's underneath her. And that became very relevant to what she was working on. So it's, it's that if you can just start with a singular image then you can build from there and it's not so intimidating what's been some of the more surprising aspects of um your work with with um people around their money stuff like what's come up that you didn't expect it to go that way or just something that really shocked or surprised you or took a different direction mm. um one of, one of the things that I, I developed over time was the, um, the concept that I really believe that we can't draw something. Um, so let's say I ask you to, to draw a picture of, so you start with that drawing of where do I want to be with money? And then I say, okay, now change one thing about this picture that will make it feel better to you. That will, that will simply change it in a way that moves you towards you where you want to go. And what I really believe is that we can't do that unless we're able to make the move. Like there's something in us that won't allow us to physically change a picture. And I always notice that there's people that can make a leap of transformation in that way. They can, they can imagine a really huge change. And there's other people that can only navigate the tiniest little, like they're like, Oh, I just changed. You know, I, I went from having a, a smirk to a smile, you know, um, but other people are like, I disconnected that chain that was holding me down to my family story. And I just like cut that off and I'm free. There's so much that happens when people are able to feel like they can make a change, like they can actually physically make a change and they can show it in their drawing. And uh, one of my clients who who did indeed have this 
he had this picture where it was the water line was almost at the top of the page and he was in a boat with his family and then way down at the bottom of the page at the bottom of the sea and in his picture was this black box that he described as being the concrete of his family history and and it had this like wire holding and it was pulling the boat the boat was like sort of tipping Mm-hmm. And he was like, I have got to cut that chain. I just like got to cut it. And when he cut it and d- did it in the next picture, it, the boat like sailed off towards a house that he had always wanted to be able to buy. So he sees this next picture as like the boat was free and it was so free that it could go towards this thing he wanted. And within, he, he was just in here actually. And his, um, six months later, they thought that they would never be able to buy a house. They had they were buried in student debt. They had a lot of debt from their business. They weren't running things very well. And six months later, they purchased a house. They moved their business. They're thriving. And they're just like, did that really come from, from doing that physical act of, of freeing myself from my parental uh, ties? And, and in many ways, it, just watching that happen was so stunning. Because he started to stand as soon as he made that cut to what his family expectations were, he started to make decisions that were for him instead of for them. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the beautiful things I love about you because, you know, I mentioned the psychotherapy in the background, right? <laughs> now, if you've ever been around Luna, she's, she doesn't come across as a psychotherapist, right? She's, so it's not like she's sitting there like asking probing questions or anything like that. She'll just be like, just draw something on the page. Right. And then that starts doing more of the work. Right. And so it's not, you know, that you have a particular way of guiding these things out of people as opposed to like, just draw a picture. Right. Um, and so I, I just wanted to put that because people are like, you know, I'm imagining someone like, well, I'm going to sit down and start drawing and maybe getting stuck or, you know, maybe going to that judgment zone and wanted like, I didn't have this whole chain cutting epiphany. Like maybe it was Luna, right? Maybe it's Luna's magic. And I, I think it is part of your medicine, but I think it's also just holding that space to let what's there come up, you know? It, it's, you know, I do think there's a lot of any good coach or guide is, is asking good questions and encouraging people to, um, to think, to look deeper, to understand things at a deeper level. But I would say the other thing that's really changed in my practice having been in the business for 15 years is increasingly I trust my, my intuition. If I get this nagging feeling and it seems really off base, but it just won't let me go. (laughs) Um, I, I had just, I just say it. I just say, this is what I'm getting. Like, I don't know where it's coming from, but does this make any sense to you? (laughs) And so often people are like, how did you know that? Or, yeah, that's really been going on for me. And so I think it's gaining um, confidence in myself and what I hear. And I'm, I wouldn't call myself psychic by any chance, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't like feel energy, but I get, I just get this sense about things sometimes. And I get words or I get, I just, sometimes it feels like, Oh, I'm supposed to kind of give them a swift kick in the ass. Um, and it feels a little jarring, but like, why? And then when I do, and they like burst into tears because they just feel recognized and seen, it, it becomes quite a like, huh, I guess that worked. It, it's an interesting process. Um, yeah. So there is something to having a good guide with you. And I think that so much of the time when, whether it's money or business or 
relationships or anything else that so often we feel like we should know how to do it already. And I mean, we all know the truth is we don't know how to do it. And we might've known how to do it a week ago, but you know, next week it changed and something, some new parameter threw in, got thrown in. And I might be going, Hey, Charlie, I don't have any clue how to handle this part of my business. Cause I never have had to deal with that before. So new world time to ask for help time to ask for somebody else's reflection. Like, am I making good decisions? Do I know? You know, I think there's so much for me nowadays is like, I need to just hear somebody reflect what I'm struggling with. And I, I, less than I need people's ideas. Like I'm really clear these days, like I don't need a million ideas. I need somebody to really hear me and see me and let me, you know, stress out for a minute until I can work myself into the place of knowing what the next step is or trusting myself to ask for help in a way I need to ask for it. Yeah. I just wanted to slide in real quick that, you know, there it's oftentimes seems that other people have it figured out. Right. And Mm. the thing about it is if you've got it all figured out, you're not growing anymore. Um, And so it's just the, the more clueless you are, Sometimes the more you're growing, right? Which may be apropos for Sacred Money Studios right now. (laughs) I get the the winner of the clueless capacity. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you think would be harder to do um, with Sacred Money Studios that actually didn't turn out to be that hard? Um, That's interesting. I... um... The, the partnership has been much easier than I thought it would be. And partly because I think we really uh, grounded our business practice in this model of clearing and really being uh, very transparent with each other and trusting each other to hold our, our, our challenges and our struggles and not try to pretend that everything's going great when we're, I mean, all three of us are navigating full-time jobs as we're starting this business and it's, it's a lot, but because we clear, we know each other and we trust each other to come forward and we're willing to say, what's going on? (laughs) And so that's been easier than I anticipated. Um, And trying to navigate a build out with a cafe, which is just completely something I've never done has been way harder than I thought it would be. You know, I somehow thought that would be like designing a kitchen, (laughs) but it's not, (laughs) you know, there's health rules and there's all kinds of ridiculously expensive equipment and there's all this capacity and understanding workflows and stuff that you just don't have to think about when you're designing a kitchen in the same way. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Cafes are not easy. Brick and mortar small businesses, one are not easy, but restaurants and cafes, totally not easy. (laughs) No. And I love that I'm learning it. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a constant learner. I love learning. And so there's this part of me that's like, oh, we get to go taste coffee and learn about coffee. And we get to go learn about pie. And we get to go figure out equipment. And it all feels like somehow relevant because it makes me a better financial planner and coach and a person that understands somebody else's world. Every time I step into somebody else's, some other domain, I become a better advisor um, and so I love that at the same time that some days I just want to jump off the balcony cause it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, that, um, because prior to starting, um, 
Sacred Money Studios, I mean, you've got Lunaria and then you've got, you know, Luna Jaffe International, which is separate for thought leadership and sort of compliance reasons and things like that. So technically you're running two businesses before you started this third one. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And it's kind of like kind of being pregnant there, Luna. Like kinda, I'm kind of pregnant. I've kind of got three books out now and yeah, it is. It's true. There are, there are kind of two other businesses going on and two websites and, you know, constantly changing and uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it leaves me speechless you know, I mean, even writing about you know like i look back on the the kickstarter doing a kickstarter campaign and every time somebody calls me and says so tell me about doing a kickstarter campaign i'm like damn that was like the hardest birth i've ever and i birthed a kid who was huge yeah he's uh, a lot <laughs> and you know kickstarter is like you know pushing for 30 days uh in labor it, it was it's just hard and, you know, I'm often like, I, I don't really highly recommend it unless you're just really prepared and really, you really understand what you can possibly create with that. At the same time that having done it, you know, and gotten through that very painful, very challenging experience, you know, I can also say that, you know, my book was published because of the people that supported it. And so that's a pretty... That, I mean, that's an accomplishment I'm proud of, even though it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. If you're thinking about doing a Kickstarter to raise money, just be careful about that assumption. Just, mm -hmm. <laughs> just be careful. And, and that's all I'm going to say about that. It's um, kind of like multi-level marketing. It looks easy to become those diamond level people, but yeah, it ain't. And who knows why some people's ideas, like some woman recently did this journal and I'm like, this journal is not, is not rocket science. It's, it's really pretty basic. And yet she gets funded like $200,000. And I'm like, really? Like, how's that possible? And then other people have these beautiful projects that, you know, don't even make it halfway. No it's, rhyme or reason. It's a fickle place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... On the one hand, you've got this beautiful thing that you're building with Sacred Money Studio that's just um, right on with where you are in your life right now and the value that you want to provide. And on the other hand, um, the dollars aren't adding up quite yet. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you mentioned that earlier. And so, um, you know, I was going to ask you about some of the challenges that you're going through. And, and so you get both the highs. You get the really high high of being on point with your, you know, with your purpose and why you're here and you get the low, low of like, Oh, like, how's it all going to come together? And go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you really, I really have a, I totally have a different understanding now of people that like leverage their entire lives in order to do that dream business because, you know, I mean, we just made the decision yesterday. We were going for um, funding from a micro enterprise you know, company here in Portland, I mean, an uh, organization in Portland. And it, it became so much work. I was like, you know what? I'm just not willing to go through that much work. I'm not willing to try to prove to you on every level the viability of this business because you clearly didn't even read the damn business plan. And I don't want to justify it. I need to spend my time and energy going forward. And if that means I leverage my house, oh, well, I'll leverage my house. And it's like, that's my conviction um, but it is a juggling, I mean, it's crazy to try to figure out like, like we know we're going to be good in a month, but we still have this month, 30 days of like bills coming in and big equipment things to buy and, you know, contractors that want tens of thousands of dollars to pay the next level of, of the con, you know, the build out. And it's, it's like, 
I know it's going to work, but where and how is that money coming together? It's, yeah. And, you know, it truly is leveraging, like, pretty much everything I have. Um, and all of us, you know, are all looking for, like, where, where, what else can we do? And, interestingly, you know, my particular challenge is that I'm securities licensed. And it is, it is completely not allowed for me to ask anybody, anywhere, for money. I can't borrow it and I can't, um, and I can't make somebody an equity partner uh, or sell shares or any of those types of things. No community public offerings, no nothing except a bank and banks don't want to loan to a new business. <laughs> so Lunaria, hilariously, I have been getting calls twice a week since November, October. People wanting to loan Lunaria money. Even the amount of money, that exact amount of money that we wanted to we knew we needed to start this business. I've been getting calls like, we can loan you $150,000. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, I can't really borrow it for my business because it's not my business that needs it. It's this other business that needs it. So then there's all that like, wow, how, how do people juggle this? Multiple entities and, you know, your cash flow is beautiful over here, but it's not beautiful over here. And how do you make that happen? And, you know... And then people are coming up to me and saying, so what's the model? And I'm like, well, it's kind of like a yoga studio. You know, you're going to become a member and then you get to come to free classes and you'll have access to all these things. And, and that may go over really well. And it may take longer than we think to educate people about the value of it. We don't know. <laughs> it's not been proven. <laughs> so, you know, luckily we have a pie shop associated with it. And I know the pie shop will be very successful and make It'll make good money because we're in a great location. So that's a good thing. I'm not so worried because we have the pie shop. And yet the reason for being there is because we want to offer coaching and classes around money. That's the reason for being there. And so we can't lose sight of that. Even though there's a tendency to just lean into, <laughs> it's all about pie and coffee. <laughs> High end coffee is easy to explain, right? It's easy to get behind and it's the model works and everything, you know, it's, it's one of those clear pictures. You're in a great neighborhood, great support. Like it just like, it's super, super clear. And like you mentioned um, in, in some of our conversations we've had about it, it's like, it's not the main effort, right? It's actually fuels the main effort, but it's not the main effort. Um, exactly. And that can be so easy to lose track of. Yeah. So it's like that. It's like, okay, we're being really innovative. We're doing this thing that's never been done. There is really is no place that people can go on an ongoing basis and practice their relationship with money, practice those things that they don't go home and want to do. There is no place like that. And so I think it's going to work. <laughs> but what if everybody says like they do a lot of times, it's just like, Oh, that sounds like a great idea. And they never sign up. Yeah. It can happen. So we might have to do a lot more, you know, introduction types of things that are free, get them in the door, get them interested, see the value of it. I mean, it takes a while to see the value of shifting your, your world to seeing that budgeting is really a beautiful thing and to finding that it's a soothing thing because I didn't believe it. And then now I'm like, I can't believe I've never really, I can't believe that I didn't have this before. I don't know how I survived. How did I make decisions? <laughs> I'm the same way when people ask me about planning and they don't have a planning process at all, like a daily planning or sort of a strategic plan. I'm like, how do you live? I don't understand. 
what's wrong with the world? It's madness. It's just pure madness. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, you're like, I think it's going to work. And, and under that is I'm willing to bet this much money <laughs> that it, that it's going to work. Right. Cause it's not. Oh, just oh, yeah. Like, and so um, that's yeah, a, no, it's a huge investment. It's a huge investment. And you know, in this kind of scenario, it's a huge investment in somebody else's building. You know, a lot of this expense is coming is the build out. That, you know, we walk away from the business and we lose that. So, yeah, hell yeah, I got to make it work <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, brick and mortar small business especially can be like that. Like you, you can see three months out how it's going to work, but you don't know the next two days, next two days or next like 10 days or 20 days how it's going to work, right? And it's, it's stressful. It's super stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have employees and you know, inventory and all kinds of things that, you know, in a service-based industry, I haven't had. I mean, I dealt with them in the past when I was an artist, but not to this level. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun when we start talking about inventory. Oh, man. Don't <laughs> <laughs> even get me started. <laughs> all righty. So, you know, the, the money coming along, like that's an anticipated challenge. Like, you know that that's there. So what's the most unanticipated challenge that you're currently facing aside from that? I think that really, I don't know if it's unanticipated, but I do think the challenge is really to communicate well about the brand and have some real um, clear languaging that really does speak about how these two businesses are intersect, why they coexist in the same space. Um, And, and that is, I, I mean, I'm really big in terms of that concept of, I love going into a business where that you really feel like the brand is, is it's, it, it runs deep throughout the entire experience. And yet we don't yet know what the entire experience is. <laughs> and so, I mean, I have to appreciate that, you know, although Apple is one of the companies that has to me the clearest brand and the clearest brand experience, it took them 30 years to develop it. So, you know, I have to give myself a little leeway and say, you know, we're going to develop that culture as we go and we're going to be able to get clearer and clearer about, well, what is that experience? How do we want people to onboard? How do we want them to both as employees and as members, what are we doing to help them sort of, I don't like the concept of drink the Kool-Aid, but it, it, there is that kind of, how do we get them to, to buy into the cultural norm of seeing your money as a, as a, as an ally and doing the work of clearing out those thought forms that really get in your way and sabotage you, whether it's, you know, it's going, so it's going to classes and going to workshops and, but it's, I think that the challenge for us is going to be, it's in me, (laughs) but I'm not the face of the business because I have to run this one. So I have to be able to communicate that. And that is going to be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cause you're definitely used to more of the out front leadership as opposed to the behind leadership, behind leadership. <laughs> right? Yeah. Giving yourself the, the space to, you know, we think at this about brands. This is a quick, quick jump into brands. We have this idea that like brands come from our heads and then they just, they're in the world and that's what they are. Right. Hmm. But it's much more like need, like, like pottery, you know, when you've got the pottery wheel and the cup and you're shaping and informing it, there's just feedback with the world that has to happen with the brand for it to actually evolve, evolve and mature and actually be what it needs to be. And uh, like whatever you think it is in your head is not what it's going to be. And it's far less than what it's going to be. Uh, right. And so the, the question becomes, how do you get in there and, 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 you know, 
um, stay on the pottery wheel and see what comes up and respond and, and then make this cup be what it, what both what it is and what you want it to be. Right. Yep. No, uh, I get it. Yeah. So it is like, how do you communicate as a leader? How do you communicate um, the culture that you really want to develop when I've developed it over 15 years or over a lifetime? And now I have to communicate that. And at the same time, I have to let it go. I have to allow it to become what all my employees make it into being and what the client, the customers make it into being. And it's an experience that's not, it's clearly not just about me. Yep. It's a shared experience. But sometimes I want it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) It's easy that way. (laughs) I know it is easier. Totally less complicated. Yeah. Um, so if people remember nothing else about you and your body of work from you know, this episode or just, your, you know, if they check you out on Lunaria or um, if they go to your Luna Jaffe website, what's the one thing that you want them to remember? That it's possible to learn about your relationship with money and change it. That it's really, it's really possible. So many people don't believe that. They believe that they're kind of doomed to always suck at money. And um, it's just not true. I have really amazing, I have amazing experiences with people who didn't think that they could learn and they did and they feel much more in charge and capable of making good decisions. And I want people to know that. And I'm kind of on a mission to to do it, make sure people know that. Alrighty. And I love being on that mission with you as well. (laughs) Thanks for being there. All right. So, um, yeah, just thanks so much for joining me on the show today. You're, you're making me jealous with the cookie now, so now I've got to go get a cookie, Luna. Uh, but, but thanks for joining me on the show today. <laughs> yeah, have a little cookie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Creative Giant. So you heard it from Luna. It is possible to change your relationship with money. You have it within you to heal that relationship and to let go of the past and create a new future. And this is something to think about. Your relationship with the money is the relationship you have with yourself. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, Creative Giant.